we've also seen the fantasy genre done a certain way for a very long time. Books and movies like Lord of the Rings have really set the tone for what high fantasy should sound like and look like. I love that genre. I've made a Lord of the Rings game in the past. I'm very, you know, like, I think it's an amazing franchise, but we just wanted to try something different and, and bring something new to, to the genre. Today, we have an extra special episode of Rise Above, where we'll take a behind-the-scenes look at the deep story, intriguing cast of characters, and brand new world of Immortals of Avium. Joining us is our game's director, Brett Robbins. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you. Immortals of Avium is a first-person shooter set in a fantasy universe where the player gets to wield magic instead of guns to defeat foes. Magic is a significant part of everyday life in the world of Avium, powering everything from household devices to the kingdom's military forces. The game tells the story of Jack, a brash and sometimes hot-headed street urchin who unexpectedly manifests magical abilities and finds himself in the midst of mankind's endless conflict over the control of magic, called the Everwar. What can you tell us about Avium's history and the current state of the Everwar? So when we start the game, Avium has been in the middle of this, you know, centuries long conflict called the Everwar. It's primarily been fought between two of the five kingdoms of Avium, Lucium, which the main character Jack lives in, and Rashard. And they have been fighting for hundreds of years over the control of magic and specifically over the control of the ley lines, which are these large rivers of magical power that emanate from the earth and wrap around all of Avium. We start the story in a state of conflict with the world on the edge. And Jack has this humble origin as a street kid in the city of Saren. He suddenly finds himself thrown in the middle of it all. So this war had been raging for thousands of years. And Rosharn's new leader and tyrant, Sandrak, has pushed the only other remaining kingdom, Lucium, to the brink, right? The other kingdoms are basically, they've recently been taken over or they were taken over in the past. Can you tell us a little bit more about Sandrak? He's an interesting villain because he truly believes what he's doing is right. Yeah, I mean, I think every great villain in fiction, they need to think that they're the good guy, right? And Sandrak certainly thinks that. He's trying to end the war. He's trying to end the war in a very unconventional way. He has found a very rare and actually a lost power source that's allowing him to gain a lot of magical control over the world. From his point of view, he's doing this in order to end the war, which really means win the war and have Rashard win the other war. But his methods for doing that are not exactly nice. And he's very much a means justifies the ends kind of character. So he's causing a lot of destruction and, and death and damage as he's trying to stop the war. So he's an interesting character. I think people find him to be somewhat nuanced. He's not just evil with a capital E. He's got reasons for doing what he's doing, but Jack and the immortals find themselves on the other side of, of what he's trying to do. A great many people have died in this war. Would it comfort you to know that I'm close to ending it? Don't turn your back on me! 
So the stakes are really high, and our protagonist Jack seems to be Lucium's only hope. Immortals of Avium blends the rich lore and mystery of a fantasy universe with a more modern lean to the dialogue. We've seen over the years many people attempt to create kind of a unique high fantasy world, which can be really challenging to do. At the same time, folks have expressed fatigue towards sort of the modern take of snappy quips and one-liners. Why did you make the decision to create a fantasy game that is grounded in modern dialogue? I really wanted these characters to be relatable, and I wanted them to be people that the audience can immediately sort of understand and empathize with. I saw examples of movies, especially in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you would be in a very fantastic environment, like in something like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or some of the Thor movies, where even though the setting was very unconventional, either far science fiction or, or high fantasy, the characters inhabiting that world felt very relatable. Their language was modern, their sensibilities were modern. So I just thought it'd be really fun and sort of taking, you know, the fantasy genre and sort of turning it on its head a little bit to have characters that are like that. The anarchist has set aside her disgust of military institutions long enough to help us out. Oh, no, <laughs> there's still plenty of disgust. Would you two cut it out? They're waiting for us. Now, Kenzie, I appreciate our verbal fencing about the rabble's pillow-fisted outrage against the gentry, but the very large one there, she's actual royalty, so maybe not so much. Maybe none. Hmm? Look, I'm here because I want the Rasharnians out of my home, not to make nice with some princess that thinks... Oh, my. This isn't new. Like, this goes back to something like Star Wars, where... Those characters, even though they're in a galaxy far, far away, are very relatable characters. They use, you know, language from modern times or what was modern back then. You know, it's just a way for the audience and the player to really kind of step into this world in the easiest way. Michael and I had a lot of fun writing the, the dialogue. And there is humor in the game. There's a lot of drama in the game. It's an epic story. There's some really great highs and great lows in there. That totally makes sense. And I know Michael's mentioned it doesn't take place on Earth. It doesn't take place in Earth's past. So why would the dialogue be ye old English, as he put it, right? It makes right. more sense for it to be modern language because it takes place in modern times, right? Just in a different universe. It definitely is relatable, like playing through it. It's such a good time. And it, it just feels natural hearing them talk, seeing their interactions. They could be people that we hang out with almost. It's very cool. We've also seen, you know, the fantasy genre done a certain way for a very long time. Of course, you know, books and movies like Lord of the Rings have really set the tone for what high fantasy should sound like and look like. I love that genre. I've made a Lord of the Rings game in the past. I'm very, you know, like, I think it's an amazing franchise, but we just wanted to try something different and, and bring something new to to the genre. Very cool. Well, we see the game's modern dialogue come to life in many of the in-game cinematics, right? One in particular comes to mind called Securing the Binding Stone. In this scene, the immortals have just returned from a mission where they retrieved an ancient artifact called Binding Stone from the hands of Sandrak. And the premise is that Jack was insubordinate. He failed to follow orders, did his own thing, 
And it's a particularly intense moment between General Kirkin, Jack, and Zendara. Our objective was to figure out a way to destroy the Binding Stone. Then why is it in my war chamber, Commander? I gave no indication that we were to deviate from that objective, sir. So you're telling me that you're unable to control your people? Is that it? Don't yell at her. I did it. Chain of command, Jack. And I'm getting to you. Throughout the game, we see Jack's choices and actions at odds with his role as soldier. Can you tell us a little bit more about who Jack is and how he ended up involved in the Everwar, what his character is like? Yeah, so Jack, you know, he has a, a pretty big arc that covers the story. He starts very humbly as a street urchin. He was a thief, basically, in a slum city. And his city gets attacked by Rasharn, by the forces of Sandrak. A very traumatic event happens to him over the course of that battle. And he suddenly erupts with all this raw, magical, innate power, which marks him as an unforeseen, someone who was not born with magic, with a lot of magic at least. Suddenly he has this enormous amount of power. And that immediately puts him in the, on the radar of the Light's army and of General Kirkin, who's the leader of the Immortals. They have names for what you are, an unforeseen, a candle of Shaled, a child of the rivers. She takes him from Saren and enlists him into the army. And he becomes a Magnus, which is a battle mage. At first, he's really kind of motivated by revenge by the, the trauma that happened to him, by uh, what happened in, in his hometown of Saren during that attack. And he is on a path of you know, wanting to gain power, wanting to fight against Rasharn, and eventually wanting to join the immortals who are the best of the best of the battle mages in Avium. That starts his journey, but it doesn't end it. A lot happens along the way, and he definitely makes some choices and decisions that are questionable that are motivated by his sort of brashness and and lack of experience and there's consequences he definitely goes through a journey and he changes and the jack that you see at the end of the game is very different than the kid who who started it we wanted to take the the player along this journey with jack and really see him transform that's really really cool it's i've i've gotten to know jack well and i think players will be really satisfied with how he grows. <laughs> so on the other side of this particular cinematic is his mentor and this incredibly powerful Magnus that took him under his wing, the leader of the Lucian forces, Kirkin. And she is so furious with him in this cinematic. She is verbally ripping Jack and Zendara, who's his direct commander to shreds with some really fantastic acting from Gina Torres and Lily Cowles, who is, plays Zendara, and Darren Barnett, who plays Jack. All of them were amazing. When I found you, the only thing you were prepared for was exploding and taking the rest of Saren with you. The last time I talked with Sandrak, he pulled the same you wouldn't exist without me lecture you are. So you're a little late to the party, sir. Take it to the vault. You're making a mistake. Take it to the goddamn vault! Could you tell us a little bit more about Kirkin and her character and her stake in the Everwar? Like, what led her to this point in time, basically? So Kirkin had been, you know, at this point in the story, has been leading the Immortals for a very long time. And 
And she has a personal history with Sandrak. She has seen Rasharn gaining power over the years. She has seen Lucium losing the Everwar, and they're in danger of being overrun. So she's just very committed to winning by any means necessary. And she's become pretty hardened over the years. She's lost a little sympathy and empathy along the way. You know, her methods can be pretty brutal, but she is a teacher for Jack. She's some, she's a mentor. She really takes Jack under her wing at the start of the story, uh, trains him up personally as a Magnus, has a stake in how he, he does. She can see, you know, the potential in this kid and she really brings it out in him. So they've got a really interesting relationship throughout the story, very much, uh, you know, mentor pupil kind of relationship, but the relationship gets rocky. As I said before, Jack makes some questionable choices and Kirkin actually makes some questionable choices along the way too, later on. So it's a complex relationship. I, I love that character. I think Gina was just amazing in the role and did a fantastic job. And she really is this commanding presence and, and just a fantastic actor. So yeah, really happy with how Kirkin turned out. Yeah. There are other moments where we get to see the immortals in a different light, a more kind of, I don't want to say happy, but a little bit happy, a little bit more light moments. One cinematic comes to mind, the Rough Night cinematic. It's called Rough Night, but it's basically a time when they let loose. How did you strike a balance between that sense of the world and the war and the humor that's evident in some of the characters' interactions, like in that Rough Night cinematic? Well, I think when people, you know, sometimes are in desperate situations, the only thing you can do really is laugh or, or make a joke to try to, you know, lighten things up or, you know, there's that sort of dark humor, gallows humor that comes out when you're in wartime together or you're in an intense situation together. So there's definitely some of that going on. I wanted the story to have you know, really dramatic and intense moments, but I wanted it also to have moments of humor that they can break that tension and to kind of allow the players, you know, the audience to sort of, you know, relax a little bit, and laugh a little bit. It was just, you know, constantly thinking about that balance, thinking about every scene that we were writing, how we wanted the, the characters to play off each other. It's not like I care who wins that stupid war. The sooner someone does, the sooner you can all get out of Orman. You... You don't know who Sandrak is. Nope, but I figure since you're Lucian, he's from Asharn. Same thing, really. They all have sort of a natural humor to them, and it's a little bit different. Like, Zendara's very dry. Jack's a little more of a smart Devin has a very kind of intellectual humor to him. He's a little bit of a motor mouth, and he'll kind of talk over himself and everything. So they all have their own ways of expressing humor. Yeah, we were just looking for opportunities where we could use that effectively as, uh, you know, as just a way to make the scene that much more interesting or engaging or fun. I wouldn't say the story is like a comedy. It's not, it's certainly like a, you know, an epic sort of drama and, you know, it has very intense moments and, and everything in it, but you can't be serious all the time. That's, that's not always that fun. So we wanted to mix it up. Yeah. I mean, it's an adventure story at its heart, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it does feel that way playing through it. 
I feel like the pacing is really well done. Like there's moments that are just so intense and so serious. And then there's moments where you're uplifted and your spirits are uplifted by a little bit of the humor. Yeah, well, I mean, part of the writing process was us sort of charting those arcs and those emotional journeys that we wanted each of the characters to go through and then making sure the player was feeling that. You don't want to be in a situation where the player is feeling one way and the characters are feeling another. Like, the characters are all sad and mopey and the player is like, why are they acting that way? Like, this is fun. Like, I'm having a good time. And we knock it off, you know? <laughs> so trying to like really match up what was happening in the story and the gameplay with what the emotional beats were. So when something really bad happens and certainly some bad things happen over the course of the story, the player really feels it, understands it and relates, you know, to what's going on. So part of just plotting out the whole game was a lot of discussions and work around those emotional journeys and those arcs that the characters are going through. That's so cool. Well, when it comes to taking the Everwar seriously, no one is more determined than Zendara. You mentioned her previously. She's a soldier. You'd never expect to be accused of insubordination. She's incredibly strong and proud and confident. And before Jack, she probably never had any soldier ever dare to disobey her orders. But then she meets Jack and their interactions are really really fun to watch. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about her, who she is, and her place in the Order of the Immortals? Yeah, so Zendara is Kirkin's, you know, right-hand lieutenant. She's from Kalthus, which is a mountainous region, one of the five kingdoms of Avia. It's a cold, snowy, mountainous area. There's a lot of very tough soldiers that come out of Kalthus, and uh, she, she's actually royalty. She is part of the royal family of Kalthus. She's been fighting the Everwar for, in the Everwar for a long time. She's definitely all business when you first meet her. She's not a huge fan of Jacks when the story starts. And largely that's because, I mean, for one thing, like you said, he's a little bit insubordinate to her, but he also uh, isn't unforeseen. He wasn't born with his magical powers. It just kind of erupted out of him. And she considers the unforeseen dangerous, sort of against the natural order of how Magni are born and, and are trained. He's already got a strike against him just, just because of that with her. So, you know, their relationship definitely starts out rocky and, you know, has to really evolve over the course of the story. And it, it does evolve, which is really cool to watch. <laughs> Another really funny thing that I did not notice, I think I had seen this cinematic a couple of times before I actually noticed this, but while Kirkin is just reaming both Zandara and Jack, you see the doors kind of open behind them and you see Devin just in the background kind of like walk in and then back away slowly and the doors <laughs> close back up. It's such a good moment. <laughs> Devin, I feel like, is just such a wonderful character. Could you tell us a little bit more about him? Yeah, I, I, I love that scene because it's like, it's just a visual gag. And <laughs> to see him take one look at the situation, he's like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Devin, he's a fun character. He's an intellectual. He was raised in a, a merchant family, so he was really well-educated you know, somewhat wealthy, you know, but had, had all this magical affinity and ability that he went off to war, basically. It's a list of the dead. 
There's so many, no one can remember all their names. I never knew there were that many immortals. Oh no, it's everyone across Avium that fell in the Everwar. The Palathon tracks it somehow, all the way back. You know, we're still not really sure who built this place. A bit morbid, really. Having a massive death list right when you walk in, now that I think about it. He is considered one of the best fighters in the Immortals. His training is in green magic, life magic. He really becomes like a, a good friend to Jack very early on. They hit it off right away. They go on missions together early in the story. He becomes a confidant to Jack, someone you know, Jack can you know, talk to and work through problems with and everything. He's that buddy role, a little bit of comic relief at times. The actor Antonio who played him was just fantastic. So we definitely had a lot of fun writing Devin, but then getting Antonio in the booth and recording it, like Michael and I were laughing nonstop. Like it was some of the most fun recording sessions I've ever done. So yeah, it was, it was really fun. <laughs> so you started to actually answer my next question a little bit, but basically all of our characters feel like real people that you can imagine spending time with both in combat and in moments of fun and respite from the war. And the cast, Gina Torres and Darren and Antonio and Lily all bring these characters to life. And Anna, who plays Kenzie, another really awesome character, they all bring these characters to life so well. Did the characters change at all once you sort of decided on their chosen actors and did they change at all once they once you got to know the actors and started interacting with them yeah i think so i mean we we cast them pretty early you know i knew stephen brand already he plays sandrak he's fantastic as sandrak you know thinking about sandrak's character you start to write with a certain voice in mind when we cast them originally we still had a lot of the script to write and we had started to shoot some scenes and everything, but we had more script to write. So, you know, once you hear them, you get those voices in your head, you know how they're going to do certain deliveries. You, you, you kind of, you know, write that. And now, now you're writing scenes. You know, Michael and I, we kind of did a lot of writing live back and forth. We just write online together and kind of, you know, come up with these scenes together on the spot. And you're just hearing, you know, you're hearing those, those actors and you're knowing like, oh, Oh, Lily's going to nail that line. This, this is like an awesome line for Lily. Or this is or Antonio's going to be, he's going to totally nail this. I can totally see him, him doing it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it does influence, influence you to some degree. But, you know, it's sort of chicken or the egg because we also cast them because we have very strong opinions and ideas about what the characters should be going into it. So, you know, I don't know which comes first, really. But it was a lot of fun. That whole process was great. You definitely feel like playing through that the actors' performances just really make the characters shine and feel like real people. They did an amazing job. <laughs> we have an amazing cast. And we also had a lot of fun. We had fun with Darren. He always liked to ad lib. And, you know, we, we do a couple of takes of a line. And, and almost always he's like, hey, can I try something else? And can I give you this one? And probably half of those we ended up using because they were so funny or or just you know you just do a kind of an interesting take on something and yeah that, that was a lot of fun i bet well thank you so so much Brett, for joining us for this very special episode and for sharing so many incredible insights into the world and the characters and the making of immortals of avium we appreciate it so much and i know viewers and listeners will as well thank you tess this was fun can't wait for everyone to play it 
Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please stay tuned for our next show when we'll discuss the game's incredible art and the technology that allowed us to build Avium. If you enjoyed the listen, we'd love for you to rate and review the show. It helps immensely. Please subscribe for future episodes. Check out our website at AscendantStudios.com to keep up with our game and find us on all socials as Ascendant Studios. You can also sub to our newsletter, The Stand-Up, to get bonus insights from the developers we talk to on this show and more. For now, this is Tess, signing off.